0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information. But don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Just got in from outside, checking out the blue supermoon.
1: I saw it as I was driving back. It is massive in mm. the sky right now.
0: Incredibly uh, massive. Mm-hmm. Yes. But... Not not so blue. <laughs> no, it was very yellow. Um, <laughs> do you know what a blue moon is?
1: What is a blue moon? Why do they call it a blue moon?
0: It's the second full moon in a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just recently found that out. <laughs> Isn't that I, you know, cool? T-
1: feels like it's one of those I was this old when...
0: Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Yep. And so August 1st was a full moon, and now August 30th is a full moon yeah hmm. the more you know
1: <laughs> the more you know you learn something every day <laughs>
0: that's right <laughs> and
1: you know so we've got the moon uh, of course there's hurricane adalia that just impacted mm. florida this morning
0: mm-hmm. i don't i i didn't get up at 3 a.m but i was certainly watching it you know hours you should probably still be asleep
1: yeah, uh, so it's it's been a relatively eventful, eventful week in astronomy, meteorology. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much in geology. Haven't heard any big geology stories this week.
0: Why you gotta say stuff like that? <laughs> the week. Well, it doesn't is have to be bad. St- it could is be good. Still young. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Well, we'll see how many volcanoes pop in up. Good in geology <laughs> news:
1: the Pacific Northwest did not have an earthquake.
0: Exactly. Yet. Exactly. Oh, uh, no massive new volcanoes have formed. Yellowstones right. st- still hasn't blown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're really gonna regret this show in a week. Uh, oh man, we we'll are just keep naming off disasters <laughs> exactly. so one of them actually happened.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh. The Mears fault goes. Oh the New, Mat- new Madrid fault. That could go. That'd be bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would we, we would feel that here significantly
0: but you know what the good thing is is we'd have two more months worth of shows (laughs) so (laughs) there we go (laughs) so i have to ask since you're from arkansas yeah do you say new madrid or new madrid fault
1: oh i probably mix them i would probably say new madrid by default yeah unless i'm tired
0: (laughs) uh yeah it depends on who you're talking to i agree um anyway okay that's a show for another time when it goes in a couple years <laughs>
1: <laughs> any day now geologically
0: <laughs> that's right exactly
1: <laughs> might be in my lifetime my kids maybe my grandkids lifetime but any day now
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh geology it's the best it's the best, except when a kid hands you a rock. And you know what you tell them when they say, what kind of rock is this?
1: Well, we talked about it in a couple shows back. We said that the best answer is probably chert.
0: That's exactly right. <laughs> and it doesn't have anything to do with statistics. It's not like chert is the most abundant of anything. It's just doesn't break down very easily at all. And especially in this part of the world, it actually probably is a really good answer. <laughs> to that question
1: right so you you said in that show one of another one of those dangerous statements which was there could be a whole show on chert ta-da ta-da here it is
0: (laughs) oh yeah you know what i've gotten really good in the how many years we've been doing this eight nine eight a while yeah um the
1: show is halfway to getting a driver's license
0: (laughs) oh gosh that's so disturbing um (laughs) <laughs> it's not ready for that uh i've gotten really good at writing down those times when i say that would be a good show i immediately put it in a notebook so that's where this came from <laughs> yep and also because so, church's really weird so you know
1: which is surprising because it's pretty simple
0: yes Hmm. um i like to talk about how weird quartz is because all this quartz has so many different names Right, especially in the, in the like crystal people sphere, you know, because amethyst, it's just chert, or it's just quartz, Calci- or all these citrine, it's yellow quartz, you know, and it it's, turns it's quartz with different impurities. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's like it turns out like chert is also just quartz. Really, um, I did this in my son's class, which I'm sure I'll never be asked back by this teacher. Is that I took all these like tiny pieces of rock that we have around the house, a bunch of them fake. I mean, they're not fake rocks, they're fakely colored rocks, because turns out agates just quartz too. Um, and I took them up there and I handed them out, and we talked about how you identify rocks and minerals and stuff. And then I had these two buckets, and one said quartz, and one said not quartz. And so predictably, or I'd hope predictably, which is what it played out, all the white or almost clear stuff went into the quartz bin and all the colored stuff went into the not quartz bin. And then I shocked everybody by like pouring the not quartz bin into the quartz bin and saying, oh, it's all quartz. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Including the teacher got it wrong, and I don't think she appreciated it. So.
1: Yeah, probably
0: not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. So I won't be asked back. But this is also like chert is really weird too. And it's I don't know. It's really weird. It turns out like opal is kind of a type of chert. Flint is just black chert. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so chert is obviously going to have the same chemical formula as quartz,
0: right? Right. Mhm. And so it's just quartz. It's what we would call Crypto-crystalline quartz, or you could call it, it comes from, like, amorphous silica. So when I was reading about it, like, in my actual geology book, it talked about it being made up of crypto-crystalline quartz or chalcedony, which is amorphous quartz, or just, like, pieces of silica wind up getting in there. But it's not quartz that has a crystalline structure, and it's very... Very, very tiny. Really, even in a microscope, you struggle to see the actual crystals of this cryptocrystalline silica that chert is made up of.
1: Which, it doesn't have a regular crystal structure, so that means what?
0: Hey, it's not a mineral.
1: It's not a mineral.
0: (laughs) That's right. It's a rock. Even though it's just made of silica, like quartz, but that means that it is some kind of weird sedimentary rock when we usually say sedimentary rocks and we talked about this in the back to basics we were like sedimentary rocks are clastic or chemical well silica is one of these weird sort of (laughs) yeah (laughs) things that cherts a biogenic sedimentary rock yeah
1: which the bio also automatically means what (laughs) Yeah. It's not a mineral.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Except for in some circumstances. Oh, geology is real hard. (laughs) Typically inorganic. (laughs) Yeah. So not a mineral because of those two things, but is really weird and it does stick around a long time. And so you see a lot of chert because it is made up of this silica and we'll talk about, where that comes from, Um, but chert is really, it's really interesting to me, it's in a lot of the rocks that I've studied before, and you can form chert in a couple of different ways, I always thought this was really neat being a student, because there's still some question about how chert forms, but that's the secondary type of chert, so we'll get to that, so you can deposit chert itself, or you can make chert later on, So that's called diagenetic alteration. So after rocks are already there, you can then put some chert into them. So there's those two different ways, and there's a bunch of it.
1: Okay. Uh I think that mostly makes sense.
0: Yeah? Okay. (laughs) And so first, though, I think we should talk about where this amorphous silica comes from, (laughs) because it isn't silica that's already crystallized. If it was, then we could have a crystalline structure... And it could be a mineral. Um, but you don't often think about like mobilizing silica in water, right?
1: Yeah, not really. I mean, so we're all talking about SiO2, whether mm-hmm. it's crystalline, okay. whether it's amorphous, whether it's whatever. But yeah, I don't normally think of it being dissolvable. Right. I think of it being this really hard, you know, six and a half, seven on the Mohs scale.
0: Right. Exactly. Thing. And when you talk about, um, when you talk about Bowen's reaction series, you know, and the Bowen's reaction series is essentially a weathering profile. Like olivine comes out first from magma, quartz is last. Quartz is also the hardest thing to weather. So we do have this existence of church. So we have to mobilize it somehow. And it turns out probably most of this amorphous silica comes from another show we've done. (laughs) And it is this process called hydrolysis.
1: Mm -hmm. This is geochemistry. Uh, (laughs) Well, this is
0: this is chemical weathering. And this is one of the really important types of chemical weathering. If you want to be a sedimentologist, this is one you should probably know right off the top of your head. Um, I say that, but I still had to look stuff up. (laughs) Well, you're a paleomagnetist, right? That's right, exactly. (laughs) So I don't know if you remember from sedimentary petrology class, but feldspars... Yep. Okay, I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Feldspars weather pretty fast, right? They don't stick around. They're not very, um, they're not very robust, shall we say, in the weathering environment, either mechanically or chemically. And when you break one down chemically, and this is any kind of feldspar, so any kind, you know, potassium, sodium, calcium feldspar, and if you put it into a place that has a bunch of hydrogen floating around, you've got an acid, and it breaks that down into a clay plus whatever cation you've got on that first part, the potassium, sodium, calcium, that goes away by itself. And the rest of what you have left over is basically silicic acid. So dissolved silica.
1: Right. So silica when we think of SIO2, this is H4 SiO4.
0: Right. And so it is amorphous silica, not crystallized, that's floating around in water. And the breakdown of feldspars, I mean, that's a lot of the continent is made of feldspars. And so there is an awful lot of dissolved silica that is in rivers. Um, And so there is dissolved silica in rivers. They go into the ocean, and that is where you start to get this dissolved silica that gets actually deposited down so it could be deposited or something else can t- happen to it um we'll talk about that here in a minute so that's probably the most abundant place to get this dissolved silica but you can also get it straight from um you can get it straight from really hot fluids so say at mid-ocean ridges you can have Yeah,
1: lots of magma bubbling up and Mm-hmm. Super hot water.
0: Mm-hmm. And like some of the stuff that doesn't make it into that magma will be in that super hot water, right? And so now you've got super hot water that's filled with a lot of amorphous silica. So that's where it comes from.
1: Okay. And yet another reason that mineral water is misnomered is <laughs> established it's not a mineral. <laughs>
0: oh man we're just gonna ride this one we'll we'll figure out how to get ice in here sometime <laughs> i'm give, working on it give, it give us a chance give us a chance so once you have all this amorphous silica and you oh, want it to...
1: that means that ice water is mineral water oh that's oh, brilliant
0: my <laughs> <laughs> so fun paper friday now <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I think we, we closed the loop on that one. Sorry. No, let's go back to sure did.
1: <laughs> Let's go back to silica and silicic acid here. So we, oh. we've got all of our silica. We've got a couple ways that we can get it. Now what are we gonna do with it?
0: Okay. So I said there's sort of two different ways you can deposit your chert, right? And one of them is the depositional kind. And so we'll call this primary chert. Um we know that chert forms in this lovely it's so much fun to say i love it so much when you're talking about the deep ocean okay and the different rocks that are forming down there you know you think very low energy type of stuff and so church starts as silicious ooze <laughs> <laughs> see exactly is that the stuff from
1: ghostbusters
0: uh that's what i like to think just a little bit less green <laughs> or red (laughs) but it can be oh it can be it can be pink um oh man so silicious ooze (laughs) how do we know this well we frequently see chert in association with other deep sea sediments like gray wacky also fun to say um and that's like oozy calcareous shale sort of stuff and we see these in ophiolites do you remember
1: what an ophiolite is? Ooh, it's like little nodules, isn't it? That are all strung together. Oh no, good, good looking. guess.
0: Good guess, though. Well, no, the stuff in the ophiolites is bubbly looking. Yes, that is true. So
1: okay, so I'm I'm ten percent right.
0: Yes, <laughs> I won't totally <laughs> fail you. Um, <laughs> that so was the
1: goal in that class that you said.
0: Exactly. <laughs> So, Ophiolites are actually chunks of the deep sea that get obducted, not subducted, onto continents. So, it's like deep sea sediments that get pushed up and over onto a continental plate. And so, now you've got this deep sea stratigraphic sequence on a continent. And so that word is abducted instead of subducted beneath them. All right. Mm-hmm. So it's this assemblage of, you know, mafic abyssal, which is also a word that's really great. So very deep sea rocks that, yeah, <laughs> make it up on top of um, continents. So you can study them there. Anyway, so these big uniform-ish, I say ish because silicious ooze, but big layers of chert. Okay. And these cherts, despite being a sedimentary rock, don't actually have sedimentary structures. But I did say they are biogenic. So primary cherts are made up of fossils.
1: Okay, and we know that... Okay, yeah. So semi-biogenic anyway.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Um, so I said when this stuff makes it from rivers into the ocean, the first thing that happens is this dissolved amorphous silica gets taken up right away by little animals because the animals want to use the silica to make their shells or tests these little micro fossils they call them tests so it's not like you imagining a brachiopod or a mollusk these are micro micro like micron level fossils that are using the silica for their structures.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the different types of fossils that use them change throughout geologic time. And we have chert that's like Precambrian. So there's some really old chert out there. And <laughs> this is the scariest thing to do in sedimentology, right? So if you want to dissolve away a limestone and find other stuff in there, you just stick it in hydrochloric acid, which we both used enough. Not super scary. If you want to dissolve away something worse, you use hydrofluoric acid, which is some scary scary stuff because it can go boom very easily and it will eat through everything, right? But when you dissolve some of these very early cherts with HF, what's left over are these little chunks of what look like fossils, And so that's, you know, we're talking really old stuff, banded iron formation old. And potentially these are pieces of cyanobacteria. I don't know if this is still like up in the air for debate. I'm not up on my silicious ooze paleontology. (laughs) But (laughs) that was something that was fought about is like, what actually is this? Is there chert that's not, doesn't have anything to do with biogenic stuff and it's like it's probably probably not in terms of primary but after those and early on in the phanerozoic radiolaria so these weird little pointy things that float around in the water column they have silicic shells or tests and then diatoms come along in the mid mesozoic which you may know from diatomaceous earth whoa Yeah. Did you know that?
1: (laughs) I guess that connection probably had somewhat sparked, but never really. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It never did to me either until I bought some diatomaceous earth to try to get my ant population under control. And I was like, these are diatoms. (laughs) So you should go and Google diatoms and radiolaria because they are so... Weird looking, they're so weird looking, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Uh huh. And then, even weirder looking by the late Mesozoic, you have these silico flagellates, and so flagellates they have like tails that can move around, they got lots of yeah, locomotion, of things, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, flagella, yeah. Uh, that's even creepier. And then, what I do to my kids, and why I must be the best mom ever, is every time we go to the ocean. And someone gets splashed in the face. I'm like, oh, my God, how many flagellates did you just eat? And they just roll their eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but also when I show these pictures in class and tell people they get these in their mouth, every time they go to the ocean, everyone freaks out.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so there's one more source of this silica. And being if you ever do a petroleum geology stint anywhere in the mid-continent region, so our region, you'll see these, and they are sponge spicules. So those are made of silica. And if you are looking at Mississippian-aged rocks here in Kansas and Oklahoma, that we have a ton of these limestones of that age, you will absolutely see silicified portions of this limestone that are made up of just beds of dead sponges.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, all this stuff in the ocean had to fall down.
0: Exactly. Yep. And it's really hard to dissolve chert. So now there is this amorphous silica in the water, but it's really hard to dissolve it once it has become a rock. So it just sticks around and you see it. But I want to move to... One of the most famous bedded cherts, I think, but I might be biased because I'm close by, but it's definitely in your neck of the woods, is the Arkansas nevaculite.
1: Which doesn't look like it has fossils in it.
0: No, not at all. And so the nevaculite is in the southwest portion of Arkansas. You'll see it in the, the Big Fork chert is what we call it in Oklahoma. And this is a... Very hard. What did you say the the hardness of quartz is, like, six and a half, seven?
1: Six and a half, seven, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it is... This is a beast of a rock unit, okay? Mm. It's just... It's bright white. It almost looks like bone. Um. If you remember, quartz doesn't have cleavage. You hit this stuff, and, I mean, the same thing for chert, obviously, not a mineral. You hit it, and it cleaves along these really weird planes. Um. And it does look like pieces of bone. These are very... Every arrowhead, you know, is chert, right? So the Arkansas Navaculite is this huge bed of chert, and it doesn't appear to have any fossils at all, if you're even lucky enough to be able to get a piece of it <laughs> to look at it. Um, and so this is, it probably did have fossils. So if you'll recall what has happened in the southwestern portion of Arkansas and the southeastern portion of Oklahoma, you have... Uh, the Wasatch Mountains and the Wasatch Orogeny. There, it's just a lovely originic belt, world class. And when you squish rocks together, you probably heat up some water. And so this was probably a normal deep water chart, and then it became kind of ultra heated and it altered those fossils because still if you'd use this hf on the chert even the arkansas nevaculite you see tiny micron size fossils that are left over so it's probably biogenic too it's just diagenetically altered and lots of people thought it wasn't and it formed a different way but i think we're all on board with the biogenic aspect of chert now okay
1: yeah that makes sense so you've Semi metamorphose the rock with the yeah. heat and the pressure.
0: Yeah, exactly. But there's not much to do to it because it's just amorphous silica anyway, right? So it just sort yeah, of you gets. Can't,
1: you, when you have two building blocks, you can't do yeah anything <laughs> too fancy.
0: Yes, exactly. So so nothing really happens to it except for it might get a little like smaller grained essentially. So that is your primary church. But when we talk about diagenetically altered, mm-hmm. so that was probably a bedded chert that got diagenetically altered. But we also see chert form as secondary chert too. And so this looks like the more like nodules or not beds, even though it can be pretty thick, but like these bumpy strung together pearls of various sizes that are usually within a limestone, a deep water limestone. Right. So do you, I don't think you saw the Cool Creek formation a whole lot, but this is one of those arbuckle limestones that you would have mapped a little bit maybe in field methods class. Um, And it is chock full of (laughs) secondary (laughs) secondary, uh, chert. Yeah. And these mid-continent Mississippian limestones, so much secondary chert in addition to primary chert and we know it's secondary because it's clearly altering the rock that it's been deposited inside i think that maybe of all the shows that we've done the nodule show <laughs> is like the one that i tell people to listen to the most
1: interesting okay. because
0: nodules are weird right like how do they get there How can you grow these huge, like... Nodules? Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to think of the other (laughs) word. (laughs) Um, Because you can have nodules or you can have concretions, right? Um, So, yeah. It's a strange thing, but you can tell that they're altering these rocks. And so this nodular chert is this secondary chert. But I already said that it's really hard to mobilize silica. So if it's secondary, like, where is it coming from? I didn't get a good answer yeah. to this. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>
1: <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, we, like you said, we covered it some, but where does it
0: go? Right.
1: If you've already got the solid rock body.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what's cool about this secondary chert is oftentimes you'll get like a lot of different colors, Because there's a lot of other stuff floating around in that water. And you're altering the rock you're going into. And so you'll get really cool colored chert. You can see some of the growth rings on these. Which makes them more like concretions. Um, But how do we know it's secondary? Is because there are a lot of times that this chert will replace non-silicious fossils. So primary chert is made up of fossils. But we have other things like ooids that we've talked about on here before that are not made of silica, right?
1: Right, and so you find something that's easier to dissolve and mobilize, do that and put the other stuff where it was.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So we find these silicious ooids, which is not how it works. And so we know that this chert in this case is a replacement chert. So it's replacing these non-silicious fossils. Um, It's easy to mobilize, calcium carbonate right we can get rid of that all day long because you just need a weak acid to get rid of that but this amorphous silica really only moves in very alkaline waters like 11 Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so i think that it makes more sense so you could get the silica you could dissolve sponge spicules that are in the rocks and you actually see this in some of these mississippian aged rocks As well, some diagenetic alteration of the sponges. Um, You get a lot of, and this is in the Cool Creek Formation, too, in southern Oklahoma. You get a lot of silica in the limestone anyway in the form of quartz sand. And that stuff blows offshore. And so it's blowing dunes around. And it will blow during storms. It can blow large amounts of silica into the carbonate factory. So you can do that. And so that could be the origin of the silica. But moving that silica around is still seems really hard to do <laughs> because of that like very high pH needed to do so. And so it could be like a combo of once some other process starts to happen, you get some hydrothermal fluids, you can move this stuff around you get some really weird chemistry basinal fluids that are highly alkaline and you can move it around and dissolve those things and now you've got this amorphous silica where you're going to put it well whatever water or whatever rock you're flowing through is where you're going to put it and then therefore you get this weird secondary nodule formation okay
1: yep that makes sense and so it's secondary because we're not forming new material, we're replacing material.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It came from something. It dissolved from something, usually nearby, and then got replaced in a rock that was already a rock. Yep. So that's okay. the difference. Mm-hmm. And so there's still a lot of questions, obviously. That's the big question is this secondary chert alteration stuff about chert and there's still questions about like the really really old chert and where that silicious ooze came from but yeah mobilizing quartz takes some weird chemistry that i don't think is all the way um all the way figured out yet and so that's also what makes chert kind of cool yeah mm-hmm. and church is really neat right like you can get some really wicked colors and all kinds of weird different shapes i i love chalcedony which isn't exactly chert it's a different crypto crystalline quartz um but yeah i make fun of it because it usually is the answer stuff but i certainly have an awful lot of chert on my shelf of rocks
1: as do i because (laughs) we collected rocks from largely the same places
0: yep exactly <laughs> yeah so that's um that's that's chert i hope that's satisfying
1: right mm-hmm. uh i'm i was skeptical when you said that you could do a whole show on chert formation
0: but... <laughs> uh, Ta da! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there it is
0: i thought that i was gonna have to break it into two shows but i made myself stop researching it so <laughs> It may come back sometime in the future. Hopefully somebody has something to say about it and they write us and then I can make a whole second show about church.
1: Well, I mean, did you just have to, you know, force yourself to take a break?
0: I did have to force myself to take a break. I had less than 10 minutes in between finishing the notes and starting the show though. So I didn't have much time for a snack.
1: Well, and that sounds like it's time to talk about everybody's favorite segment of the show. <laughs> fun paper friday
0: yay that was really good i was wondering how you were gonna get it there
1: i was working on it but yeah so this is (laughs) uh direct uptake of nutrition and caffeine study biscuit based comparative study by jones and francis so also notice direct uptake of nutrition and caffeine study is dunks
0: (laughs) So clearly, you should have already intuited from the biscuit based in the title that this is from the BMJ. So we've got some definitely British things working for us in this. Uh, in this, because man, I don't know about you, how much tea do you drink? That's not ice tea. Winter,
1: it's more common to make hot tea, but. Generally, I stick with coffee or hot chocolate in the winter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, iced tea in the summer is about it. But I know iced tea is not real tea, according to
0: that's Bell right. Folks. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I just keep. I always feel lacking when I have tea. I'm like, no, I just wanted a coffee. I think. But I understand well, the point. Well, we do have
1: to. We do have to settle this though, because we are in <gasps> the semi south here.
0: Ooh, yeah. (laughs)
1: Sweet tea or not?
0: I thought when we started this show, we weren't going to talk about very controversial things. (laughs) (laughs) So when I um, iced, obviously, when I I get half and half, half sweet, half unsweet.
1: Of course.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm such a people pleaser.
1: (laughs) Ride that fence.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I refuse to make it make a choice <laughs> do you guys have those h-t-o's h-t-o's yeah it's like a little drive-through tea place
1: no we do not
0: okay they're from texas i'm sure they're coming for you um you just got a whataburger right so
1: <laughs> yeah we've got whataburger it was a big deal the cops had the road closed because <laughs> line was it was ridiculous
0: you were right there um oh come on i was in the store oh exactly (laughs) so hto is like this little place from texas but yeah they have they have great iced tea i say they are definitely winning me over with the iced tea but i always get half and half sweet tea is too sweet
1: and i just i i prefer unsweet
0: that surprises Uh, me actually
1: yeah, I hmm. prefer unsweet tea, but it's real strong, like stand a spoon up and it's strong.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Now yeah, we got you. So you don't even put honey in your hot tea, do you?
1: No. That's what I was really confused. In this paper, they were talking about like putting milk in. It's like, why would you put milk in tea?
0: So I tried to get off of coffee for a little while, and I had Earl Grey. And it, just because, because I worked at a coffee shop for a while, this woman always got cream in her Earl Grey. I was like, "What are you doing? It's delicious." So, I will support this milk habit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy a cup of Earl Grey sometimes. Not mm-hmm. often, but sometimes it just sounds good.
0: Exactly. Uh, yep. Mhm.
1: But yeah, the question of when you order coffee or or I suppose tea in some places, the question of full. Well, do you want cream? Like, "No, I ordered coffee." Coffee <laughs> is the black stuff. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. On our recent trip to Hawaii, we went to... We were fortunate enough right down the road from our friend's house was this amazing coffee place. And it did pour-overs, which is my obsession, as... Yeah, anyone that listens to the show probably knows. So I'm super obsessed with pour-overs. And that's all this coffee shop does. So they make sure and tell you when they come in. This is slow coffee. It will take a long time. And then they have mugs that say black mf coffee (laughs) and there (laughs) is no creamer no milk no anything no dairy product in the store no fake dairy product and it was amazing to sit there because i'd go and i'd work there obviously because i'm a professor and i don't actually take vacation (laughs) and so i'd go down there for a couple hours in the morning before everybody got up and yeah people would come in and they'd be like what and they'd be like, well, I take cream in my coffee that I get at the gas station. And he was just, that poor guy was just, you could see him like, what? No, no, just just leave. <laughs> but it was amazing. And I thought of you every time I saw that mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's coffee ever. Yeah. None of that had to do with biscuits and tea, though.
1: <laughs> no. So biscuits and tea. Uh, they said, well, obviously... Medical facilities run on caffeine and sleep deprivation mm-
0: mm-hmm. yep <laughs>
1: so and also you generally don't feel like you have time to take a big break, especially when the COVID 19 pandemic was hitting mm-hmm. so what is the best way what's the quickest way what is a safe time to consume <laughs> your tea so you don't have oral scalding <laughs> And what biscuit provides the most nutritional content as well as the most satisfaction based on several criteria?
0: So as ridiculous as this sounds, there was a lot in here that I didn't think about, right? Obviously, we already love how the BMJ, you know, they have like their, they have their graphical abstract. And they have this little box that says what's already known on the topic and what this study adds, right? (laughs) And I love that one of the what is already known says a cup of tea is important in UK popular culture. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. And what the study adds is all this stuff to do with these biscuits. Um but what I never thought about, which makes sense after reading this, right, is like it takes it's super easy to pour a cup of coffee, right? I mean, if you're not doing the whole pour-over business. It's super fast. But making a cup of tea is not fast at all, and they don't have time. And not only does adding, like, they don't have time to wait to brew the tea, quote-unquote, properly and then drink it all on their, on their break. And so that was part of, that is part of this, is that when you start to add a biscuit into the tea, then you can like start taking in the caffeine faster too because you're dunking your biscuit in and you will reduce your chances of oral scalding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which I thought was really funny and not what I would have, yeah, not what I would have thought about at all. But obviously, if you've ever dunked Oreos in milk, you don't want the thing falling off in there too. So you have to make the right biscuit selection. Right. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So the first thing we looked at was time to drinkable tea or TDDT (laughs) or TTDT. That's a tongue twister.
0: Yes. T, T, D, T. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, And (laughs) yeah, so they, they dunked biscuits and determined which biscuit provided the, the most reduction in time to when you could drink your tea.
0: <laughs> this is hilarious and the biscuits they chose um, were shorty which would be my favorite although i do love a good digestive uh and an oat biscuit and a rich tea biscuit
1: right so, so okay we've we've done that and the digestive was the biggest reduction of 130 seconds
0: oh so good
1: the oat was second shorty and then rich tea
0: right but that's not the only thing that we want this time to (laughs) drinkable tea right No, Um, we also
1: care about calorie density
0: exactly because they're out there they're working hard you want high calorie density because you need not only the caffeine but that extra kick of energy right
1: and surprisingly to me the oat was first
0: i know me too Mm -hmm. because i thought gross (laughs) but i mean the digestive and the shorty were really close behind (laughs) like we're talking a difference of five kilocalories right so there's that and then the rich tea was way 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 less so it's not looking very good for the rich tea until we get to saturation volume which was an amazing test (laughs)
1: So you put a milliliter at a time of tea on a biscuit and you see if it absorbs or not. Mm -hmm. And then when the tea starts appearing on a doily (laughs) placed below the biscuit, (laughs) you know, it's been saturated.
0: Oh man, this is great. (laughs) So (laughs) I love the pictures of the experimental setup, right? So the time to drinkable tea also had to do with like how fast it cooled down. Everyone agreed you add 40 um 40 milliliters of milk to the tea to help it cool right and so they have a picture of the cup with the thermometer in it and a spoon right and then they have a picture of these biscuits on these wet napkins (laughs) right which was great um and so the rich tea biscuit won this one though
1: yeah with almost double the oat digestive and shorty
0: yeah impressive That's impressive. But, again, that's its only first place. Uh, Next comes crunch reduction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where they used a decibel meter.
0: (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) To see how much the noise of the crunch was reduced after the biscuits had two milliliters of tea placed on them.
0: Oh, my gosh. So the smallest reduction in crunch is the winner of this, right? Because you don't want it to totally dissolve. And I'm super excited the digestive won this one.
1: Right? Followed by Oat, and then by the rich tea, and finally
0: the shorty. Poor guy. Didn't stand a chance. And even more important than the crunch reduction, I think, is the dunk break point. Right? Because you don't want your... yeah, gross. You don't want your tea with half of a soggy biscuit in it.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So they <laughs> wagged the biscuit around in the tea. <laughs> and timed how long it took before it fell off.
0: Ah! Uh, And so the oat, I think, not surprisingly, was the winner for this one.
1: Yeah, that's not surprising at all.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of have to see what one of these rich tea biscuits is. It seems like a real weakling. I would have thought a digestive wouldn't have done this very well either. But the shorty was second, then digestive, then rich tea.
1: Right. And then finally, the pragmatic (laughs) break point where they were dunked for two seconds and then pulled out and the time for it to break was recorded.
0: Oh, man. Post-dunk integrity. (laughs) The longest one of that. Again, not surprisingly, the oat biscuit. And this one is the same as the dunk break point with the shorty second digestive and then rich tea, but rich tea got something happened to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Penalty (laughs) points.
0: Yeah, because it broke a bunch.
1: In less than two seconds.
0: Yep. (laughs) Poor guy.
1: (laughs) So number one was the oat.
0: Gross. (laughs) I don't know about that, but. Fine. (laughs) I need need, um, to have the sample in front of me to try. It's got some potential, I guess. We'll see. But the digestive was second, which did make me very happy.
1: Maybe we need to do a uh, comparison on the show.
0: Ooh, we should. We have to use American biscuits. I don't know if that's the same. You
1: mean Oreos? (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) So thin, regular, (laughs) double-stuffed. And and that whole segment of
1: listenership just is gone.
0: That's right. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I did enjoy
1: some of the things that were built into this paper. Like one of the sentences, leafing through the literature and steeping ourselves
0: in the evidence. Steeping ourselves in the evidence. Yeah, that was the one I wanted to... (laughs) Yeah. So good. <laughs> I I just, I love how these are, you know, we have some fun papers that are just funny, but it's like, these are like ridiculous, but the way they're written and the way the statistics, I mean, the way the experiments are done, it's just, it's beautiful, right?
1: <laughs> it really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. So this is great. Um, if you like me, have watched a lot of Great British Baking Show. (laughs) They always love to do, like, filled cookies. God, they have so many different biscuits, right? But they said that they didn't do any biscuits with cream or chocolate fillings because finger licking is not advisable in a healthcare environment.
1: (laughs) That's fair, I suppose. (laughs) Hopefully you wash your hands.
0: Exactly. Oh, I thought that was pretty great. (laughs) Yeah. And they also like come out swinging right away with, we don't need you to comment on how we brewed our tea because we don't have time because we're healthcare workers, so don't comment on how we brewed the tea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I thought that was really funny that they did not use standard times or whatever, (laughs) and we're like, don't bother us about this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. This is hilarious and great, as always. Thank you, BMJ.
1: And I am now buying us different styles of biscuits on Amazon.
0: Fantastic. All right.
1: Well, if you have data on your own biscuit and tea preference or coffee preference or Oreo and milk preference or anything that you want to dunk one thing into the other to get your energy and boost for the middle of the day, we'd love to hear about it. Shannon, how can they get a hold of us?
0: Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on X... I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at Geo underscore Lehman. And if you would like to pay for our biscuit experiment, you can do so. <laughs> Patreon.com slash don't Geo.
1: And until next week, remember,
0: don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.